0: Thank you, Grant. Well, it's good to be here this morning. In fact, at my age, it's good to be anywhere, to be honest with you. Uh, as Grant said, he's been, uh, we've been trying to get here, and eventually uh, we've arrived. Mm-hmm. Just to say, just, some of you won't know who I am, Paul Reid. Uh, actually, this is my kind of area. I ca- I'm a Carrie Duff man. And so in the days when there were no cafes and restaurants, you used to have to come to the Corner Cafe or Genese's to get fish and chips which they did on many occasions. Uh, I've got uh, Alistair and Keith. Uh, we're going to do a bit of ministry afterwards. Alistair and Keith are long-term friends, just so you, you can relax with them. They're, uh, cause a lot of people have been praying about, Lord, those who are afraid, because they are scary people, actually. <laughs> but uh, they've been elders in CFC for many years and, and old friends. And then Priscilla's been an old friend as well for a long time, <laughs> 42 years. We're married 42 years, 30, 43 this year. Uh, four daughters and uh, seven grandchildren, six little girls and one little boy. So he's a spoilt little boy, as you can well imagine. So this has been my, uh, this is my territory. Uh, and uh, I thought what I would do is, I start, it is my story, but I thought it would be important to tell you a little bit about how I got to where I got to in terms of the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and as I say, it is, it is my story and I don't want to make that uh, your story because you'll all have your own uh, way of relating to God uh, in that way. So uh, I actually came to faith uh, 50 years ago at drummond Gospel Hall, which isn't, you're all right. What? It's okay. They're there for a purpose, actually. Some, sometimes, yeah, just, just just sit down, okay? Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Just, just leave it. All right. Honestly. Jeez. Where was I? I've been married to Priscilla for 42 years. Uh, I got converted 50 years ago when I was 16 uh, in Drummond Gospel Hall. The original one was burnt down, actually. Uh, and uh, I came to faith there on a Wednesday evening. And an, an aunt of mine uh, said to me, Would I like to come to a Bible class? And I went to a Bible class, and Priscilla was at the Bible class. She was 14, I was 16. And uh, we, we hooked up, I think the word is, isn't it? And, and eventually got married and have been together for a long time. Uh, we, we were brethren, that's our roots. Um, and I I cherish my background uh, for the, for the uh, love it gave me for the word of God, uh, for communion, uh, and and just the preaching of the gospel. So I, I always say all the best people are ex-brethren people, so... Um, one of the things that happens when you, when you become a Christian is that when you get taught the fundamentals of the faith, it goes something like this. It says that Jesus was the Son of God. He came from heaven. He was born in a stable. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cross. He was buried. He rose again. And the gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. And it sort of comes as a bit of a package. And whenever you're 16, it's hard to know which one isn't true. Uh, and so that was a long journey for us. Uh, and uh, we, I suppose we uh, came in contact with the charismatic, early charismatic movement. We, Priscilla and I dared to go to a thing called, some of you might remember it, called Come Together. Pat Boone came to Belfast. Some of you might even remember Pat Boone. And, uh, and uh, they, we went along to it being sort of two pretty straight, up and down, brethren and folk, and it scared the bejabbers out of us, honestly, because they were hugging each other and put their hands there, and we actually ran out halfway through it because they said, Let's give Jesus a clap offering when we nearly passed out, and uh, there were nuns there, and that was the end. And honestly, it nearly finished us off. Uh, and uh, so we were, and then my sister. Uh, came home from uh, a trip away and she'd got filled with the Spirit and we thought she'd completely lost her her marbles. And we began to look at the whole subject and and then I began. I was pretty active in preaching even then and began to do weekends for young people on saying why the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. And so it's been a pretty long journey for us. Uh, We started a house church in 1981 uh, there were 11 of us to start with. And uh, in two years, there were eight of us. So it wasn't exactly a success story. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Really. And of course, what happened was in the middle of it all, we, we were the, I, I would say we were the only non-charismatic house church in the world. And uh, we, we uh, began to explore the things of the Spirit. Uh, we went to spring harvest in the early 80s. And I went along to a seminar with, by Rob White, who eventually became the uh, was the leader of uh, Youth for Christ. And he was talking on this Holy Spirit. So I went along to criticize. So this is my kind of story. And, and uh, he, he started off by saying, I was brethren and proud of it. And I burst into tears, which was a completely new experience for me in a meeting. But I knew God was doing something. And he told a story. And his story was that he was a manager of a large store in England. And his, the doorman... It uh, was from the traveling community, uh, but he was Pentecostal, and so Rob took every opportunity to put him down. And eventually the story is that Rob, for some, whatever happened, he, Rob had to invite the doorman up to his office. didn't have to. He invited the doorman up to his office where he laid hands on him. And Rob said uh, it was quiet. Uh, he said nothing happened immediately, but it, it changed his life. And, uh, and he began to talk about the, Holy, the work, work of the Holy Spirit. I want to get very personal here because it is my story. So he said, if you would like to be, and he called it baptism in the Holy Spirit. I, I'm going to interchangeably use the word filled in baptism. So please don't get hung up on that. And uh, he, he said, if you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, would you stand up? So I stood the first time, second time ever in my life, I stood up in a meeting. And, uh, and there were so many people. It wasn't late at night. There was nobody playing the keyboard. Uh, and it was in the, it was the middle of the day, it was snowing, actually, it was really, it was, it was a, so it was completely baltic, and, and uh, so I stood up, and he said, I'm just going to pray for you from the front, and we'll see what happens, and, uh, and he prayed, and I began to speak in another language, tongues, at least I if that's what it was, you know, because it wasn't really clear, I remember thinking to myself, I don't quite know what I'm doing here, and, uh, I, I, and I don't believe in this anyway. And I sort of felt the Lord reassure me that he did, so don't worry about it. And uh, I, I went went back to the chalet after the meeting and told Priscilla about my experience. And then nipped into the bathroom to see if I could do it again. Because I really didn't have a clue what was going on. Honestly, I had no, no idea. And that began a journey, I suppose, just a couple of stumbling words. And it, but it began a journey for me of... Uh, I suppose it was a release into spiritual gifts. And and I know that your, your subject has been the Spirit-filled life. So as we sort of come to the end, I thought I would I would do something on the the, uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read from, strangely enough, John chapter 7. And I'll refer back to them. I'm not going to do a whole lot of reading, uh, but I will refer to scriptures if you don't mind. Because John 7 and 37, the... On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, a scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And then Acts chapter 1. Jesus spoke to them and said, Do not leave Jerusalem, chapter 1, verse... um, 5. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Acts 2, of course, that uh, famous chapter where they're in the upper room. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were stirring. A sitting rather, and they saw what seemed to be st- tongues of fire that separated and came to rest in each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So the, the, uh, oh, just, a, just a quick one. Uh, I remember Priscilla was, Priscilla was uh, happy enough to a point that this had happened to me, uh, <coughs> which is, sort of code for saying she was raging mad, to be honest with you. She was very worried about the whole thing. And her logic was that if, uh, if her father, who was a much better man than I would ever be, uh, didn't speak in tongues, why did I need to? Which, which you know, I thought, well, fair enough. My father has forgotten more about the Bible than I've ever known. So uh, it, it, it stands to reason. I remember one night when we were We were just about to go to sleep. Priscilla said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm praying. And she said, are you praying in tongues? I said, yes. She said, well, don't do it in bed with me. (laughs) So so, uh, it kind of gives you... And a a little bit later, Priscilla's going to tell you uh, her own story. uh, And uh, it kind of gives you an idea of where we were coming from. So the disciples were gathered in the upper room. They were a privileged bunch. They'd lived with Jesus for three and a half years. They'd seen the miracles, heard the words, and now they're plunged into despair. Uh, Christ has been crucified. He's been risen again, and, and eventually they've seen the ascended, uh, or rather, the, the risen Christ. Uh, and uh, but but now they wait and ask uh, for Jesus uh, to to give what he promised—the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love John seven because it's one of those. Probably some people think it's one of the most important things on the Holy Spirit that Jesus uh, talked about. And of course, in the context of of, the, of John seven, there was a a particular water libation ritual that happened during the Feast of Tabernacles. Every every day, a priest would go down to the spring Gihon, which fed uh, the pool of Siloam, and take a a, a a pitcher of water and carry it up the western steps, which are there to this day. Or is it the Southern Steps? Anyway, it's one of the steps there. And uh, they, they would carry it up into the temple and pour it out as a, a ritual. And in the course of it, of course, it was an incredibly joyous uh, ceremony. Uh, what you would find was that even old men would dance with joy. Everybody wanted to see it. It was, a, it was, it was an exuberant time where people would would, would uh, come out with this incredible sense of joy. Three uh, candles were lit, in, uh, lit on 75 put Put poles and boys would climb up ladders and light them. So it was this incredible uh, pointing towards the outpouring of the Spirit, which of course Isaiah talks about. It uh, talks about. Uh, it was uh, a wonderful occasion that nobody wanted to miss. And and so in that context, you see Jesus standing up on the last day of the feast. So you can imagine what's happening in the middle of this ceremony of people and crowds cheering and shouting, the priests carrying this pitcher of water to pour it out on the altar as a, as a, a prophetic foretaste of when the, uh, Joel's uh, prophecy of when the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Jesus stands up and it says he shouts with a loud voice because, of course, he has to because there's a lot of noise. So Jesus stands up. And what he's effectively saying is this. You see this sign? He said, I am the fulfillment of what you're doing. What you've got water. But he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He'll be poured out. And from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Not a, little, not a little stream. If you've been to Israel, the pool of Siloam is nothing more than a little muddy pool today. But Jesus says that the water that he's going to pour out will be like water on a thirsty land, and, uh, and it will come from within you. So you get this incredible uh, promise. So they, they wait in the upper room. They wait for power, not for its own sake, but they might be uh, witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth. So they three great years, but even all that they'd seen and witnessed did not equip them for their commission. It's not until Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, that the power came. Now up to this point, of course, uh, the, in the history of the Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit, of course, I, uh, came in the Old Testament in different ways, generally for seasons. And uh, he'd come upon men and women uh, to empower them to do a particular job and a special task for a limited time. But the day of Pentecost ushers in what we call, theologians call, the age of the Spirit. And it means this. We read that in Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all people. Now, could I say, the all there doesn't mean without, uh, without exception. Because all would be everybody on the earth. It's the all without e- exception. It's the all, sorry, It's the all without distinction. In other words, as in everybody, men, women, old and young. So it's not the all. It's not the. It's not the all, of everybody without exception. It's the all without distinction, and the age of the Spirit has begun. And all who were believers in Christ qualify to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you might say. Well, at conversion, did I not receive the Holy Spirit? Of course you did. Absolutely. No question about that. Scripture is very clear about that. But when Jesus talks about the, the Holy Spirit, remember, the, the, uh, in some measure, the disciples must have known the power of God in their life because they'd gone out and, and performed miracles. And Jesus, of course, in talking to Peter, when he, he's washing Peter's feet, Peter says, "No, wash all of me. Jesus says, no, no, you're already clean. He said, you're already clean. So in whatever terms we understand that, they already were in a relationship with Jesus. But the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out in this new way. So there's no distinctions, no special people, no haves and have-nots. The kingdom of God is that the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people, and that means all of us. So let me talk a little bit about the nature of it. First of all, it is sudden. It is sudden. It is sudden. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, when you study the book of Acts, it reveals that when this happened, it was a sudden supernatural experience and generally, generally happened after their conversion. In the upper room, they waited for the coming of the Holy Spirit and uh, they were no more filled in day one than they were in day nine. But in Acts chapter two, it says suddenly. And it's clear that this process was not by osmosis, but it was suddenly. In fact, the Greek word, is a, actually is strictly the expression of a momentary or transient single action. Something happened to them. And in fact, in Acts 1, Jesus, he, he compares it and, and likens it to John's baptism with water. Now, people may differ on what they think the mode of baptism today Uh, uh, but I think most people accept that John's baptism was by total immersion. Of course, the consequences of baptism uh, uh, slowly and gradually are obvious. If you hold somebody under the water and you hold them under for long enough, they will drown. But the consequences, of course, of baptism in the Spirit is that it is a necessary, a sudden experience. And uh, so by Christ's own analogy is baptism in in the Holy Spirit. So when Peter in Acts chapter 11, recounts the experience of Cornelius. He says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them as on us at the beginning. And he uses the same term, the Holy Spirit fell on them. It indicates the sudden nature of the experience. Now, you're, you're looking at me and a lot of questions coming up. For me, that's what happened. I had been a Christian for 15 years. I'd been told that the filling of the Spirit, baptism, whatever you want to call it, was actually, it wasn't for today, but on that cold tent, on an Easter holiday at spring harvest, the Holy Spirit fell on me, and life was never the same again. Number two, it's supernatural. I've got all the S's here because I know you're Baptist from background and sort of make you feel happy and comfortable a little bit. So it's sudden, it's supernatural. So when when a Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, the third person of the Trinity, then it may be quiet, it may be noisy, but it is a supernatural experience. It's a supernatural experience. It's beyond us. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, look what happened. They received supernatural guidance, supernatural power, supernatural protection, and even, in the case of Philip, supernatural transportation. In other words, something changed. Something changed. And it ushered them into a new realm of spiritual gifts. Number number. Three. and this is probably the most controversial one that it, it's subsequent to conversion all these men had, had left Jesus, to, uh, left all to follow Jesus they confessed him as Christ he'd pronounced them clean but it wasn't until Pentecost when they were filled with the Holy Spirit in, in, in Acts 8 the Samaritans who believed and were baptized both men and women had to wait until the apostles came from Jerusalem and laid had hands on them to do what? that they might receive the Holy Spirit they were converted alright but they weren't filled with the Holy Spirit And the same is true in Acts 10, when they heard and believed, the Holy Spirit fell on them. On that occasion, it comes pretty close to conversion, and we're not quite sure, and I'm not trying to read anything into it. But uh, you find that at Peter, they they receive the Lord, they get converted, whatever you want to call it, and Peter sees something happen to them, as Peter says, as it happened to us at the beginning. And in Acts chapter 19, I think it's probably obvious that these people weren't Christians actually. They were seekers. But uh, what happens is they, Paul tells them about Jesus. They believe and are baptized in water and then he lays hands on them and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. So the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit in terms of the filling of the Holy Spirit is a sudden supernatural event which can not come after subsequent to conversion. And the evidence of it is speech. This is making you really nervous today, isn't it? But the, the evidence is speech, because there had to be evidence that something had happened. Now, I, I'm not going to read anything into this here. I'm going to, I'll be careful about it. But on the occasion where there is evidence, it's always speech. In Acts chapter two, it's speaking in tongues. The evidence that something happened was that they spoke in tongues. In, in Acts chapter 8, nothing's recorded. But the fact that Simon the sorcerer wanted to give the apostles money to buy the gift of what they could give must shows us that something happened. There was something happened, but we're not told. And, and uh, that's when they laid the hands in the, his hands on the Samaritan. something happened, and he wanted the power that he could do the same thing. He saw something that he wanted in Acts ten. It, it's again, Peter says, as the same thing happened to them as happened to us. So, so in Acts tongue, in Acts ten rather, it's tongues and they praise God. And in fact, in Acts ten, they they were astonished. Paul, when Peter's recounting the story, he tells the story happens, the uh, the, the um, incident happens, and then he tells the story, and he says, we were astonished because the very same thing that happened to us happened to them and then in Acts chapter 19 it says they spoke in tongues and they prophesied so somewhere along the line I want to I, please I'm not trying to read things in I'm just I'm just trying to say when you have a supernatural experience with God something happens you know it, and, and that that can you know I, I remember for us it was whenever I stood up that day I was afraid something would happen and afraid nothing would happen you know, it was one of those ones that, oh goodness, what's going to happen here? But there was a, something changed in, in our lives. And uh, so f- for these guys, they were released into a new praise language, often accompanied by prophesying. And the purpose is power and praise. The, the first point is that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that we might worship God with our spirits. I think, as I read through it, it's the, it's the only gift, a private gift of tongues, personal prayer language, is the only gift that's for you and, and uh, that's t- to be used for... There's a public gift of tongues, which I actually think not everybody has but I think that there's the great privilege of being able to speak in tongues that every believer has the privilege of. And there's a dimension into which the only the Holy Spirit can, can take you. In, in uh, Ephesians, it talks about praying in the Spirit on all occasions. In Jude, it talks about the same thing, building our, ourselves up in our most holy faith. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, and he says, For if I pray in a tongue... And he defines the ability to speak and pray in tongues as the ability to pray and praise with the spirit. So there's a form of prayer that includes that you, you can speak in your own language, but you can communicate. And you don't necessarily know what you're saying, but it builds your spirit up. There's an edification. I find that. that the, I know there's a correlation there that the more personally I do it, the more I feel built up in the, in the Lord and there's a, there's a real sense of uh, that's helping us uh, building ourselves up in our faith. And uh, when we do it, we get built up. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus says, You shall receive power uh, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So building us up in our faith and then to empower us. Please, this is not some weird experience for the emotionally unbalanced and unstable Although there are some people in those circles who are emotionally imbalanced and unstable, but I dare say you've got a few of them as well. Can I get an amen there from someone? <laughs> Let me see that hand going up. Uh, and uh, you see, what a difference it made to Peter. He stands up on Pentecost and, and the 3,000 are converted. I'd, I'd have to say it, probably, it was probably the mark of my own journey that You know, I I essentially preached some of the same stuff, uh, but different results happened. And uh, I felt the same, but God put something in my heart. So in John 7, Jesus cries out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, streams of living water, will flow from within him. And by this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. I I, I think there's a desire for all of us to... um, to Actually, we've been praying about it today and talking about it, about just just go deeper into God, whatever that looks like. I remember sitting in my, excuse me, brethren assembly, and this says more about my spirituality than it does theirs. And we're at a a midweek prayer meeting, And it was interminable. Ever been to any of those midweek prayer meetings that are interminable? And I remember thinking to myself, it's the first thing that just clicked something for me. I just thought, if this is abundant life, we're in big trouble. And actually, it set me on a course of seeking God. Because when you come come from my sort of background, so you start here and you go, the gifts of the Spirit, where where you're way past, are not for today. all right. In fact, they're of the devil. Seriously, that we, we, was our kind of thing. And then you kind of go to, well, maybe sometimes somewhere in the world these things are released. And they might not be of the devil. And then, and then you go to, well, you know something, actually, you could maybe even exercise them here. Maybe even people in, in Northern Ireland could actually speak in tongues and not be insane. Do you, do you understand? And then you, and then, and then you go to well, and this is where most of us get stuck, and I certainly did. When you come, when you're in Northern Ireland, whatever you think you're, whatever you know about theology, they actually, we are effectively Reformed people. You know, that's that's our fallback position, which is the sovereignty of God. In other words, if God wants to do this to me, He can. That's that, and honestly. You, you, you get the place where you go, well, okay, Lord. And, I, you know, so I finally got the place when I went into that tent. Well, well Lord, if, if these are for you, and I'm not sure that they are, then then uh, you, can do, you can give it to me if you want to. And, you know something, that, that, that sounds okay. Until you come to 1 Corinthians, where Paul says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We actually come to the point where you can go, actually, you know something? I really, I. if this is a tool to get the job done, this does not make me better than any other Christian, but this is a tool to get the job done, then, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. And you come to that point, you go, Lord, I am not just willing, but I'm open and willing to receive. And so you, you get to that point. So I, just to say, it, Jesus does it. You know, when people lay hands on you, it it's it's not... They don't, they don't impart anything to you. Jesus does that. He does the filling. And, and you've got to come believing. You've got to say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I want. In fact, I eagerly desire it. That's, that's pretty strong, that, isn't it? Eagerly desire. And, and then you come asking. If you ask him for bread, will he give you a stone? And you come expecting. We used to say, Alistair tell us, he said, you may get the gift, uh, but it may not be what you expect. It's a bit like getting a puppy. You're, you're told you're getting a puppy for Christmas and you're, you've got, you're getting a Labrador. It's a little golden Labrador. You, that's what you're hoping for. But when the morning comes along, it's a black Labrador. You get the dog okay, but it's just not what you're expecting. And uh, it was what the little boy had asked for, but not what he had expected. And you come expecting and you say, Lord, Lord, I eagerly desire what you have for me. And then you come and you receive and you participate, you know, Somebody once said to me, uh, "You know, do you f- when you speak in tongues, I've actually had this said to me. Uh, do you find that your mouth sort of moves automatically, like this here?" You know, I said, "No. It's like any other gift. You have to do the speaking. It's you that, that does it, and you keep on going. You keep on pursuing and keep on going." I'm going to ask Priscilla to come up and tell you a little bit about her story. It's one of the one of these makes. Uh, I'll bring I'll Paul that one there. Is that okay?
1: Well, Paul told you a little bit about my um, reservations, I suppose, when he had this experience. And it probably was because um, I have an amazing parents who love Jesus, who brought me up to love Jesus. And I really did respect them so much and knew that as far as I knew, that wasn't part of their journey. It wasn't part of their story. And that really did, um, I suppose, in a sense, hold me back. Um, I felt God had put me in Paul's life to keep him right, and now I had failed miserably. <laughs> he was on a tra- trajectory that I didn't want to go there. And um, but you know, for me, it was a it was it was a, a time. It was a year of se- seeking God, and I suppose at the end of the day, I'd have to say, you know, I really loved the Lord, and I I really wanted to grow in God, and. We had just started this little house church, and we didn't know what we were doing, and we we just were desperate and saying, "Lord, we need you, and we need your help." So, for me, you know, the the, the journey was also about, and I, I love you know your adventures in God group because it was just we were just I want I want more of you, God. That was at the that was what was at the bottom of it, and uh, and so throughout that year, I just felt as if even God came and lifted some of the fear that I carried with regard to the things of the Spirit. And I suppose I had been in places and seen things, thought, oh, I don't like that and I don't like that. And, uh, but, but I just felt like God came and met with me and began to lift some of the fear from my heart and, and increased my hunger for, for him. And then in the middle of that year, he gave me those verses out of Isaiah, forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And, and I felt like for me, I could still honor and respect my parents and, and love them and love what God had done in their lives. But I had to seek God for myself. And so the, that's that's why I got to that place that Paul said I thought Lord you know whatever you have for me I want to be open to it and and we absolutely need you and I suppose God had been at that time even beginning to talk to us about Ireland and about the nation and about you know wanting to see a difference here in the country and wanting to see life-giving churches and so that was all part of the journey too. So I remember one time, just like this, hearing that this kind of talk and thinking, "I'm going to get people to pray for me." This is I'm going to do it. And uh, so I, when when I came forward for prayer, it's a bit like Paul said, you know, I didn't. I suppose in a sense I didn't know what to expect, but I was a little fearful, and I was thinking, you know, what if nothing happens? I'm putting myself out here. What if nothing happens? And as the person began, two people began to pray for me. And and I, I were you? I don't even remember that. I remember the other. But then there was three people praying for me. He just always likes to be part of the picture. And uh, and so they began to pray. And as they prayed, you know, I was standing thinking, "Oh Lord, Oh Lord, nothing, nothing's happening, nothing's happening." And immediately, I just felt like the Lord said to me, Priscilla, "How did you receive your salvation?" And I said, "By faith, Lord." And he said, well, you're asking me to fill you with my Holy Spirit. Just simply receive it by faith. And that's exactly what I did. And although Paul said, you know, it is supernatural, and I did really feel like something had been released to me, if you had been praying for me, you would not have thought anything was happening. I mean, you know, I I did begin to speak out praise. I didn't, I didn't speak in tongues. I, nothing like that happened. I just began to say, thank you, Lord, for filling me. Thank you that, you know, you've released your Holy Spirit in my life. I I just received this gift. I'm so grateful. As Paul said, when you ask your father for bread, he doesn't give you a stone. And so then for me afterwards, it felt like God had taken a big key and just, released something in my life where I began to learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and the gifts began to come. And as Paul said, they're not you know, ornaments to wear on your neck to make you look good. They're tools to get a job done. And, uh, and I am so grateful for them and so grateful that he provides those tools for us. So for me, it wasn't very spectacular. It was very quiet. But it was a question of if you're asking, do you believe I'm going to do it? Yes, I do, Lord. Okay, then. I'm filling you with my spirit.
0: Okay. Could we we get the keyboards up, please? Keyboard player. I I don't hype things up, and I'm not going to start now. Uh, But we we would love to pray for you. And if any of your ministry team feel that they would like to join us, we'd be very uh, happy to do that. So uh, we're going to come out. And uh, if, you, if you could start to play, it just, it sort of takes the awkwardness out of the situation. Silences are awful, aren't they? We, we feel terrible in them. And, uh, and we're, we're just going to pray. We're going to, we're going to, you say, well, what am I coming up for? We're going to pray that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and a release of gifts, particularly prophecy and tongues. That's what we're going to do. So it, it's, uh, it's entirely up to you. Uh, and uh, Alistair, Keith, Priscilla, come up to the front. And, uh, and we'll stand. You don't need. You, we're we're going to stand to take the awkwardness out of it. Okay. And uh, and could we sing a song, something sacred or something nice? Okay. You know, don't be doing play around. Do Viva La Vida? Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, do something nice. And uh, and uh, we'll we'll stand and sing. And then what we'll do is, well, what about two, what about uh, Stella, You go over there and I'll I'll join you in a second. Okay. And it'll just give us a bit more space. And you don't need a you know formal line. Just if you want to come up one at a time. And then we'll pray, uh, and uh, we'll see what God's going to do, okay? Uh, let me pray first. That would be a good idea, wouldn't it? <laughs> father, thank you for, uh, that you are a father who gives good gifts. And uh, uh, we're excited uh, because of what you want to do in our lives. We want to thank you that we're, uh, we're always moving forward with you. We, we don't want to be the same people or the same church that we were last year. But we want to we keep on pressing into all that you have for us so father we we come believing we we want to take literally the words that jesus said that out of our innermost being flow rivers of living water amen you know what's happening you are going to get out of your seat okay if you want to and you're going to present yourself to one of these people including me, and we will pray. And again, if some of our team would like to join us, that would be fantastic, okay? Stand, stand, stand.